Hey guys, before we start the show, I want to talk directly to all the youth sports leaders out there. Have you ever had to get creative with how you handle replacing a lost jersey or help that new kid get a uniform well past the ordering window? Are you tired of handing out gear, managing orders, and stashing boxes in the basement? Hey, Squad Locker's here to change the game for you. Through our custom online store, you can offer a mix of custom sublimated, printed, and embroidered uniforms, plus team gear and spirit wear, all in one spot. Your always open store can serve coaches, players, parents, and fans directly and on demand, allowing for a seamless process from preseason to your championship run. Check out squadlocker.com forward slash suit up. That's squadlocker.com forward slash suit up to learn more. And now, on with the show. You're listening to On The Whistle, the podcast that explores the impact that coaches, teachers, and mentors from youth sports organizations and schools have on young people's lives. Here's our host and Squad Locker CEO, Gary Goldberg. Hello, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to another edition of On The Whistle. Today, we're going to take an interesting journey down a unique path. I've decided to collect a small panel today of uh, fellow employees and colleagues here at or at our corporate sponsor, Squad Locker. And as many of you know, I'm the CEO and founder of Squad Locker, but I've brought today some of my fellow employees to talk about something that is uh, central to our purpose of Squad Locker, but also touches all of our lives in a different way, and that is the idea of a uniform. Uh, today I have in our expanded podcast suite, Studio B, not Studio A, <laughs> under the thoughtful eye of our trusty engineer, Max McVeigh, uh, in order of left to right clockwise, Tip Fairchild. Tip mm-hmm. Fairchild and I have worked together 10 plus years. He is the director of sales here at Squad Locker. But Tip also uh, was a professional, or as I like to refer to, semi-professional baseball player. (laughs) And there's going to be a couple giggles along the way here because we know each other and we're friends and it's okay. But um, Tip played baseball throughout high school as well as uh, other sports, went on to play baseball at University of Southern Maine, and then ended up in the Astros organization where he was on his way to a what was going to be a great career, but had a career-ending injury. Um, Blew out his elbow and eventually got Tommy John surgery and, as Tip likes to tell me, lost control. I don't plan on crying. I know that (laughs) you get a lot of people to cry. Not going to do it. No problem. Okay. Just searching for the truth here today. Next in order is Dan Copen. Dan Copen came into our life about a year ago. Dan, um, as I had on my podcast, one of our other episodes, Dan grew up in rural Pennsylvania. Uh, As I recall, Dan said he was always big for his size, but he also had some skill and uh, played youth sports, eventually got a scholarship to Boston College where he uh, played football, got a degree in accounting, and then ended up getting drafted by the Patriots, won a couple Super Bowls with the Patriots, snapping the ball to Tom Brady, and then ended his career with the Denver Broncos. Correct. You got it. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome, Dan. Dan is our enterprise brand advocate at Squad Locker. And so brand, uh, excuse me, uh, Dan interfaces with high level accounts of all sizes, shapes and and sorts and helps them understand what we bring for services and and different products to the marketplace. And then a newest member of the Squad Locker team I'm super excited to have with us today, Stephanie Mirando. Stephanie is our director of marketing. Stephanie grew up with a love of all sports, but hockey, according to Stephanie, was her first love as it relates to sports. And then from there, she developed uh, skills and career in softball. She uh, played softball through high school, went to North Haven, Connecticut High School, and then eventually got uh, recruited by Bryant in uh, Rhode Island Bryant University, where she was a two-time captain, junior and senior year. So obviously. She had a lot of leadership skills and, um, you know, as well as uh, athletic skills. And uh, Stephanie, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, super super excited to have all three of you here. So what I really wanted to talk about, and I thought would be an interesting topic, is the idea of uniforms. 
And so at Squad Locker, we make a lot of uniforms. We make thousands of uniforms a day, and we send them to all 50 states around the United States, and we send them to everything from little recreational teams to major recreational programs in cities and towns to schools to elite travel and everything in between. And for us, the, the three of us here, as well as Max and everybody else in the Squad Locker organization, it's we, we take the responsibility of making and delivering a uniform pretty seriously. And it's kind of a coveted task, meaning it's one thing to make someone a camp t-shirt or a backpack that they might use around campus or after school or after the program. But to make an on the field uniform takes a certain level of commitment and responsibility from our practice. Because we understand the fact that it's gotta be there on time, that somebody's gonna don that uniform and it's gonna be a moment and pride of pride that they may remember for the rest of their lives. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, wouldn't it be interesting to have three highly performing athletes go back in time and talk about some of their uniform experiences and how did they get them? What did they mean to them? And uh, you know, what was it like? So Stephanie, why don't we start with you? Yeah, sure. Okay, so you know, thinking about hockey and softball as a kid, do you remember the time that one of the first uniforms you got? Oh, my first uniform was probably in a town league for softball, and that was like your basic T-shirt that had maybe a garden club on the front that sponsored the team and just a number on the back, and it was always oversized, huge. But, I mean, if I could remember that and keep it, I wish I could go back in time and do that because all of the uniforms I have, I don't think I valued until I look back at my career. And this conversation is perfect because I think back to all my years of playing sports and I wish I could line them up one by one and just look back and look at my career through my uniforms. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, I mean, it was a basic cotton t-shirt, um, but that was probably the most valuable because that was the start of my career, right? And it took me so many places in life. So um, if I could give any <coughs> advice to listeners, keep your uniforms <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and value yeah. them. Yeah, that is, that's a nice sentiment. Tip. Do they have uniforms in Maine? They do. Um, St. <laughs> Leo's, it was a green Gildan 50-50 t-shirt. Still have it. Uh, I have the uh, big box. It's actually like a drawer at the house that has St. Leo's, Atlantic Computers, Chicks Orchards, every t-shirt style jersey I've had because I've always wanted my mom, she, she sews, so I always wanted her to make me a t-shirt quilt that had them all lined up all the way through to the Astros and everything. So more importantly, though, than the T-shirt. Did she was, do it yet? Not yet. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm still waiting for that. I, I, so, Mom, <laughs> if you're listening out there, I, way, I'm waiting for that. For our listeners, Tip's a very meticulous. I've been working with and around mm. Tip for 10-plus years. He's very meticulous about his personal possessions. He's very organized. So it's not a surprise for me to hear mm. that there's a drawer somewhere in a house. It's like every, in order. It perfectly folded. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's yeah. scary. I we wish I knew it. you back then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, the... The other thing, though, about the uniforms is picking a number, I think, is like a big thing when you're that young. And a lot of people have the same number forever. Like, so my favorite number is 11. I was number 11 in almost everything, all the sports, not just not just baseball, you know, basketball, soccer, baseball. And then never had it when I was a professional, though. I was around it a lot. I had 10 a lot, 12 a lot, 22. But... I liked picking a number. 11 that, was mine. Did the lack of having number 11 affect your mental like focus no, or anything? I had it on. It was still on the chain. I still had the 11 on the chain, so it was there. <laughs> but <laughs> did you not wear a chain? You definitely had 67 on the chain. Yes, I, was, I was 77 in high school and college. So you had the 77 on your chain? No, I didn't have a, I didn't have a pendant <laughs> on my chain. You didn't have one? Is that because you're older than me? Uh, pops, that was a thing. Maybe it was maybe it was cool in your day. What was your number? Did you have? I was nineteen at Bryant. Did you have it on a chain? No, <laughs> definitely not. Tip, you may be the only guy with the chain. <laughs> I don't know. That's, is your chain still? Is your chain in that I, drawer? I still too? have the chain, oh. but I don't. I don't have eleven on it oh, anymore. We should, I still we should, got a chain. Maybe we should get eleven. Yeah. We should bring you have that a chain. back. We'll, we'll, well, you and I will get get our numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so Dan, over to you. What was your earliest memory of a uniform? Um, earliest memory um, actually was a hat. And it wasn't even on my team. I grew up in Whitehall, Pennsylvania, and there's like five little villages 
in the town, and I grew up in Egypt, and the other town was Hakandakwa or hockey, and they had their athletic program, and we were playing baseball. I was playing on Egypt. We, Egypt, we were green and um, gray and white, but hockey, uh, the baseball program, one of their dads sponsored new hats, and they got them fitted hats. Nice. It wasn't just a regular Little League snapback mm. and, you know, the mesh or the mm. foam. Which are now cool. Oh, they're great. I wish <laughs> I had are, a bunch of them now. You're absolutely oh, right. <clears throat> but they ended up getting fitted hats, and they had, like, an eagle on the back of them. It's like, damn, I want one of those. You know, mm. it, it, this, mm. this was cool. And that's when, um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, when I started to think, like, oh, you know, uniforms are cool. You know, I, I, want, mm. I want something that looks good. It feels good. Um how did having the hat make you feel? When I there, because I actually ended up moving or moving to that program. Yep. You know, our program didn't really stick around, so I went there and uh, got in the hat and felt good. You know, they, they they say you know you look good, you play better, you feel better. Like you feel good, you play good. Deion Sanders. That that yeah. that's true. You know, if your uniform looks good, if it feels right. Um, you kind of feel like you can play better. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's life too. You look good or you feel good, you're going to. Yeah, it's, it's look good, feel good, feel good, play good, play good, get paid good. Yeah, something. I yeah. think that was his so overall was, overall thing. What about the idea of, you know, belonging? So I think, you know, particularly he, here in, in the United States, it's a having an outwardly facing symbol on your clothing says a statement mm -hmm. to whoever's looking at you as well as you yourself to yourself. So I'm just curious, was there for you, Stephanie, a sense of like, I have this thing on at any point in your earlier career, not just the first uniform, and therefore I'm part of this group and that makes me special, more valuable, more included? Yeah, it's interesting because I, I think back to high school and game days, we would actually wear our jerseys to school that day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the perfect, perfect representation of that, right? We all wanted people to know that we had a game come out and support us, but also you see your teammate in the hallway and, and it's like, hey guys, yeah, we got a game today, let's get ready. And that was mm -hmm. the start of the ritual, right? So. Pep at, rally. Yeah, yeah, yeah everyone gets, gets excited for it. And at Bryant, it wasn't so much the uniform because you save that for game day, but around campus, it was a big athletic school. So mm -hmm. the majority of people were athletes. It was a small school. Our spirit wear is what we wore to class. I mean, I, I can't think of many days that I actually got dressed up to go to class. I always had my team gear on when we went to class and it was the same for the other sports. So yeah, it was that feeling of community is being proud of the team you're on and it was always cool. Like you get your new gear and you can sport it and wear it and no one else had it because it was your number and your name on it. And no one else had that. It was unique. Yeah. Was mm -hmm. it hard for you to make the team at Bryant? Um, I, the recruiting process actually was pretty smooth for me. I had a few other schools that I was interested in, um, that didn't pan out, but it worked out. I was happy. I, I ended up at Bryant. They reached out to me and when I got on campus, I knew that was the one. I was ready to go there, and the coach was great, team was great, uh, so it was pretty smooth. You know, uh, in in one way, I'm I'm envious of the three of you guys because you're looking at a guy who had two left feet and hit puberty at age 33. So for me, my athletic career was limited. So to get a uniform from my perspective, I mean, I played varsity baseball in high school, but just because I was a senior, I made varsity. It was kind of like that, you know, that situation. So I'm imagining that when you get into a situation where you've made the accomplishment, you get the gear, that it must be like a moment in time where, is there a sense of like, I got here? And, and does mm. it happen when the uniform goes on? When the uniform goes on the first time? I remember my moment and probably the most significant memory I have was that day at Bryant where there were two other people in my class that came on as freshmen, same year I did. And I'll never forget, our coach walked us into the locker room, just the three of us, and our uniforms were on the rack, mm. just waiting for us. She was like, this is yours for the next four years. And if you continue to earn the opportunity to wear it, it's yours, but be proud of it. And she always, she always ingrained that in us. 
Um, but that was a big moment because it's for a lot of NCAA athletes, that's the end of the road for you, right? You're not going beyond college, college ball, whatever your sport is. So that was the last mm -hmm. uniform I would wear at, at the collegiate level. So that was a big moment. Yeah, I imagine it would be. Dan, what was Boston College like in terms of giving you a uniform? Um, they were, it was kind of just, it just hung on your, in your locker. And it was just there. It was just, it was there. Um, I think the difference is the budget obviously and you walk into this locker room and it's you know nice and you know not new but it, it coming from a high school locker room to that locker room it's just kind of crazy and huge lockers you got you know a foot locker down below for your spikes you got something up top you got a place to put your personal items with a clock on it and all that stuff so i think walking in on that you know that that recruiting visit where they have all the the uniforms out and it's it's a you know a nice uh nice way to sh showpiece their 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 uniforms their colors um their gear and when you come in as a recruit i mean it's kind of overwhelming and then you can go to like syracuse or virginia tech and you go to these other places and they do the same thing um but it's it's fun they, they um you're not just like you pick the school and where you want to go and stephanie i agree i think you just walk on to a place you you kind of feel it or you know yeah. it, this is where I'm going to be. And it just feels right. But that uniform, you also take on their, their colors too. And, you know, it was maroon and gold in college or it's red, white, and blue with the Pats. You know, you sort of adopt all those colors and everything that university has uh, to offer. No Tip. question. Yeah. Tip, what was it like with you with uh, University of Southern Maine? Yeah, it's just, I mean, same as what these guys said. You kind of have like your – gear day or you get the you see it now with a lot of people because they post it online more with instagram and everything it's like oh you get the red shorts the gray shorts the black shorts the shirt the shirt the shirt the bag everything right and it's the same type of thing but there was one thing i remember with with usm we all wore these full zip up baseball jackets that we wore to travel in but also like in the dugout it was like a dugout jacket and all it had was just the the usm the interlocking usm on the left over the left heart and when you got that you were on that team it wasn't about the uniform as much then because you know you had three different uniforms home and away and everything else but like once you had that jacket like it was like uh you were in the you were in the gang do you think that jacket yeah. is in the quilt drawer oh the jacket's hanging up i have that <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's a serious i might still wear that someday gang. that's really? uh, does it yeah. still fit uh, that's close. Yeah, I mean, if I when I get down to fight and weight again in another month, it'll fit. But that was if you weren't that was like you wore that on the bus, you wore that in the dugout, but you also wore that out, like uh, yeah. to a party. <laughs> like you know, well, you wore the, that. That was the other part that I was gonna get to. It's like you know, as like for me, my uniform today, and for those of you who don't work with me, I'm the I wear pretty understated stuff. I don't like to wear brands because I don't feel like they represent who I am. So I'm not going to wear like a Ralph Lauren thing or any of, or whatever. I've noticed I'll, that about, you're not a huge I'm not, logo I'm person. I'm not a logo brand guy because when you wear stuff. Yeah. I play into that. Mm -hmm. I wear basic colored t-shirts mm -hmm. and jeans and you really, it's hard to see what brands I'm yeah. into. But you made a comment. You said, when you wear this jacket, everybody knows yeah. you made the team. Yeah. So talk a little bit more about that. Who, who mean, do you want to know that, and why is it important? It was. It's not necessarily that you want people necessarily to know it, but you wanted to be a part of that thing. Like how it's uh, there's the quote from Herb Brooks in the Miracle where he says like it's uh, the name on the front's a hell of a lot more important than the name on the back. Yeah. So it's like I wasn't wearing a shirt that said Fairchild around. I was wearing a shirt that said University of Southern Maine. Or if I was playing for Monmouth Academy, it was like. Monmouth Academy, like so, it's that thing that's more important. And then to go down, you know, and be even more like micro here, it's like if you were wearing the baseball logo, right? It's like okay, you're part of that association compared to softball or the swimming team or like if it's like Greek life or anything like that. You see yeah. like that those symbols out a lot. Same same type of thing. I think it's it's, it's, it's like that's a, your group. Yeah, it's that thing where don't embarrass yourself, don't embarrass your family, don't embarrass your team. Yeah, right. I mean it's. Along those lines of how how tight of a bond that you have and um, how much you'll fight for them, regardless mm -hmm. if it's your family or a team. You know, that's kind of your family. So 
um, being able to be a part of that is awesome. Or wherever you grow up, if you grow up to going to football games of your high school when you're little or basketball games, like I want to wear that jersey. You know, I can't wait till, you know, if I'm a junior and I'm playing varsity or something like that or a sophomore or a freshman, it doesn't matter, but I want to wear that jersey. Yeah, so it's aspirational. It's aspirational. Mm-hmm. I, rem- I always remember that when I was in middle school and like elementary school watching the the high school basketball games and seeing their like warm ups yeah. when they would run out through the thing and break the whatever and the cheerleaders <laughs> are doing the, and run around the court and then I'd be like all I want to do is get to wear that warm up and run through that thing and like do the first <laughs> layup hey, off the glass did they have like the uh, the, the, the breakaways oh yeah and then you just go and snap them off I'd be like Man. yeah and then you know it's crazy though because you're not in high school for like seven years you're like hopefully you're not wearing the same ones yeah no kidding but well, like, my, you know, my high school kind of was so yeah, so, you, you, yeah, you still have the changes. short shorts oh yeah well it went, I was in the phase of long shorts you got to the Fab Five? It, I was, yeah. So I was in high school nice. in 98, Congrats. 2002. So that was like and now you're how back, far. And now you're back to the now short, I'm back to the short shorts. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Stephanie, when you talked about wearing your spirit wear around campus, is that the same sense of like oh, yeah. belonging? and? Yeah, same vibe. Um, Who did airports you? were big too because when we traveled, mm. Everyone, autographs, it's, seekers. It's, well, not so much autographs, but <laughs> <laughs> it's it's intimidating though. If you have, and we were really strict. So our coach, we had a if we had zips on our pants or if it was a quarter zip or whatever, everyone had to be exactly the same. So when we were walking through the airport, there couldn't be any individual individual representation of who you were. Maybe through your sneakers a little bit, but they had to be clean. Um, so it was, it was a really respectful experience to wear that logo, kind of like Tip said, like you earn that. Um, so if you were representing that, you better be clean. You, get, you have to look good mm-hmm. and you have to wear it right. So uh, I just remember walking through airports and we would get so many questions. Everyone thought we were a dance team. <laughs> like, we're not a dance team. Yeah. <laughs> we have big bags. We're like, yeah. what do you think is in the bag? You have your eye black on already. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Right. So, no, yeah, it, it was a it was a big deal to have that. And I feel like when even when people get into a school, um, if it's if it's their college or a private school they're going to, I feel like first instinct is to get a sweatshirt mm-hmm. or to get a shirt that has the name of that school on it. So even if you're not in sports, there's still that representation and being a part of that community. You know, there's a, a phrase that I think comes from the military that says a unified look equates to a unified mission. Mm. Yeah. Why did you say mm. that the heart will get going on that? I love stuff like that. You do. I like quotes like that that are that are like nothing breaks this. I mean, the name of the sales channel in Slack at Squad Locker is the Phalanx channel. And why for, did you choose that name? Because the Phalanx fights together and not one person in Greek warfare right they had a shield and if it was down two inches it wasn't as powerful as if everybody had this shield the same way and the spear the same way and any weak any weak link could break it but then if it's all together and tight it's very tough to beat so that's that's kind of how i looked at it here with our with our sales group is like this is the phalanx like everybody has to be moving together and that's how i always thought about teams and like comments like you just said are like that gets me excited because that's like the patent feel to it, like the military, the general like feel to it is is what I, I like about the team structure. Yeah, I mean, obviously the uniform represents it's a symbol of the discipline of the organization mm-hmm. and in the in and the individual, and so yep. when those two things come together, that's when teams become effective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dan, what do you think about that quote? Unified look equates to unified mission. I th- I, I agree with Tip, and I've probably I. The first time I've heard it is now, but I've lived it for 30 years because every one of my coaches would be the same way uh, as Tip and Steph's coaches. Just, you know, you're you're a part of a team and you dress, you know, dress as a team. Not just, I'm just trying to think of, um, you know, my college coach was from the Naval Academy. And yes, there's individualisms, within the team, but overall you want everybody on the same page and um, not, not, I just try not to draw anything away from the team and mm-hmm. you want to play as an individual and be an individual, but 
you got to pick your spots. Maybe that's out on the field and how you celebrate and, and how you get, get after it or whatever you do. But um, traveling or being traveling dressed the same way probably isn't the right spot uh, to pick it. It just draws some maybe adverse attention or negative attention. Yeah. So talking about individualism and, and looks, in some of uh, professional sports, they allow at certain times of the year – individual athletes to decorate their shoes individually or to wear unique mm-hmm. footwear, right? What's your guys' philosophy on on that take? And, like, in the NFL, you know, sometimes you'll see someone with a specific towel maybe. Little slight variation, little yeah. sh- a shimmer of individualism yeah. that's breaking through the uniform look. I mean, Dan, you were in the NFL. I mean, I, I what, what's your the, take I on that? I think the shoe thing is great, and I think if you're doing it for the right reasons um, – whether that's personally or is it, you know, the NFL said they can do it because <clears throat> initially when the shoe thing came along, there was a lot of pushback from the NFL and they basically were fining guys for wearing those cleats. Well, you're, you're supporting a charity, you're, you're, you're supporting your family members mm-hmm. or whatever that is. I mean, mm-hmm. how can you not allow people to do that? and express themselves like I mean that's probably what I was saying on the field or whatever expressing yourself in, in a way that you wanted to but I think the NFL actually I mean came back and rethought it and said you know what this is a good thing this yeah is, we'll make it this, a program and it's a program we'll do it this month uh, you pick a charity whatever cause that you want to do or, or however you want to you know express yourself that's fine I think that's that's a good way to do it if it's you know something else out of place it's just it's they have to do it in the right manner Dan what about the the players that I've seen you know, like uh, highlights from over the weekend where they'll have like a ridiculously expensive watch on while they're playing football or oversized jewelry or something like that. Do you think that conforms to the concept of a unified look equates to unified mission and the name on the front is more important than the name on the back? I mean, I'm setting you up, obviously, but what's your thinking on that? Some things, you know, some sports, some sports you can get away with it, I guess. Um, Maybe less contact sports. I believe tennis players wear watches all the time, and you know they're big sponsors are there, so I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, the contact sports, I don't have a problem with the chains. Um, when the big number eleven pendant or whatever, <laughs> I <was gonna> say, <laughs> two times we're talking Sh- about chains. Sh- chain, what chains what aren't bad, you know. I guess it's when you get those big. Um, yeah, outside the pads big, and stuff. Big yeah. pendants yeah. outside. But outside that's of the, the safety and security thing of, of actually getting hurt by the jewelry, I'm talking about the idea of look at me, look at what I'm wearing. Doesn't yes. that not conform to all the other philosophies around well, uniforms it, I mean, and team unity? Correct. It doesn't, but nothing's perfect. Right. You know, I mean, it, it is what it is. And um, how I act on the football field probably isn't how a defensive back acts. You know, it's not to say he's right or I'm right. I don't really care. If he's going to talk all day and talk crap to the other opponent or make a tackle and pat his chest, go for it. Just keep making plays. That's all I really care about. I don't really, you know, I want to win football games. I don't, I don't have to like everybody. No. And nobody, everybody doesn't have to like me. That's just the way a team is, but you have to respect everybody. And if right. the guy's getting the job done, if it makes him feel better and it makes him play better to wear a chain, God damn it, wear a chain. I don't care. Yeah. And there's uh, Just do it within the rules. Before even chains, it's like haircuts, facial hair. Like wow. I played for college, clean shaven every day. Had to be. Like we had guys that would have to shave with like a razor they found in the bottom of their bag like before a game or – couldn't play. And then when I was with the Astros, too, even all through the minor leagues, clean shaven. And that's interesting now. That's still a rule. And the yeah, Yankees have Yankees that rule, have too. It. Yankees are big Yankees air have control club. All the way up through the big leagues. And like the Astros, the way they did it, it was once you had a certain amount of time in the big leagues, you could then have what you wanted. But I will yeah, but tell people, you, a lot of people... People understand it when they go of, there. A lot of people, though, chose eight. not to. Because they were That's like, fine. listen, I went, That's through, perfect. I went through shaving my face. Yeah. I'm going to be the same the same way here. And it's like, you know, and then if somebody had a goatee or whatever, it was like, yeah, the guy's been in the league for nine years. Not yeah. gonna, I'm not going to bust him on that. That's uh, who, uh, yeah. Cole, right? Cole went to the Yankees. Derek Cole, yeah. And he had to shave. It's like, all right, well, yeah. if they were going to sign, you were going to sign, what, $300 million? 
I'll you want to shave? I'll, I think I'll shave. I'll shave too. You know, shave no an problem. ear off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. Exactly. <laughs> Stephanie, what's your thinking on 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 this idea of you know being showy versus being kind of visually humble? Yeah, I I think there may be an element too of superstition with this because everyone has their rituals, right? And I mean, it might be more flashy when you get to the pro level because they're making a lot more money than obviously a college athlete or anyone in high school. But I always had jewelry that I wanted to wear during games, but in NCAA, they make you remove everything before a game. And an umpire would tell you to take it off if you're in the middle of the game. And it was a safety issue at the time. Um, people would try to get away with things though because they didn't want to take off their lucky chain like tip or they didn't, <laughs> or they had a piece of jewelry that they wanted with them while they were in a game. Um, so I think, I think there's an element of that superstition and maybe it's a lucky piece that these players want to wear. Um, but I'm kind of with Dan, as long as you're respectful on the field and you might be showy in how you're presenting yourself, but as long as you're respecting the players and respecting the game, I think it's, I think it's okay. I suspect that Tip had a lot of lucky charms. Did you have a lot of lucky charms? No, no I, had a, I had a or superstitious. I, I had a sequence that from, you know, four hours before the game was the same every time. Rituals. Like every single time, down to like when I was gonna like go to the last the last bathroom break. You know, like right down to the minute all the time. That's just how how I operated. But at, you know, same stretches like out to the center field wall. Five leg kicks out to the right, five to the left, like identical, you know. But really, I, I still prove the line. When I was on the field, not much. I kind of always used to touch, like, the visor of my hat, not to take any spider tack or anything, but just I kind of, like, did this thing, and then I would always either walk or hop over the line. But that was it. Did you have some uh, pregame rituals, Stephanie? Yeah, I did. It was kind of the same as tip. You do everything exactly the same, or if you have a bad day, you kind of question it too um, and wonder if you should change things up. Um, but putting the uniform on, I remember being a ritual, always doing it in the same order, mm-hmm. always going through the motions. And when you get into the locker room, doing the exact same thing and getting suited up for a game was a big deal. Um, and I always tried to do things exactly the same Why? before we went out on the field. It, it, it's almost that element of if you keep it the same, you're not in your head and you're not changing any thoughts because softball is a mental game, right? So when you're going into a game, all you want to be, you want to be routine in everything before you go out on the field. So you're not thinking about anything else. And you're just going through the motions. And when you get out on the field, you're in the zone and you're not thinking about anything. So I always felt comfortable. And it's that level of kind of what Dan said. Mm. If, if you look good, you play good. And I had my way of getting ready for a game and I knew it was right. So when I got out in the field, I didn't have to think about anything. I was just ready to play. In some you know, sports associations, teams, leagues, uh, schools, there's a moment in time where you hand back in your uniform. Mm-hmm. Did you guys hand in any uniforms? Tip, did you hand in a uniform? Oh, yeah. Handed in almost all of them, all the way through until college senior. Well, I got drafted when I was a junior, but I got to keep my junior jersey. But you're always handing the on-field wear back, right? Mm-hmm. The gear packs and the, the jacket, that's mine. Right, like yeah. I earned that. That is mine. I'm taking it with me. But there's lots. Of, I mean, high school. I think. I mean, somebody got me that jersey ten years after I. Uh, we've got the Mammoth Academy one in the other podcast room. That somebody gave me that ten years after I graduated. Graduated. They just had it, and I was like, "Wow, it's pretty cool." But we won a state championship, and we were all of us were like basically all state, and we turned our jerseys in at the end of the year for the kid to wear next year. Yeah, and who so, wore it next year? Do you know who wore number 11 I don't know who wore it. I'm not sure who wore it after that. It was a long time ago, Gary. Don't yeah, it was a long time, it was a long time, long time ago. ago. Dan, do you remember handing yeah. in any uniforms? I, yeah, and I don't know. If, I don't. It wasn't like a formal process to yeah. hand it in, but it was, I mean, obviously it's kind of stinky and sweaty and smelly. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and you just throw it in the laundry and it goes away. It goes away I was fortunate enough fortunate enough when they retired my number in high school that I got it back but someone else wore it the year after me 
How about you, Stephanie? Do you remember handing in <laughs> yeah, the uniform? They, they retired it. it, and then they did. Re- yeah, they retired it. Maybe what three years? No, it was, oh, probably, it was a few years after. It was like eight years, something like that. Oh. Seven years after I graduated. So there was a couple kids that wore it after. Okay, it's cool. It wasn't okay. an instant retirement. Okay, <laughs> I get. I get, your, makes, I get what you're. That th- makes I sense. Yes. I get it now. <laughs> yes, I understand your. Got it. Uh, no, I don't remember. Similar to Dan, it's it doesn't seem like a big deal in the moment. And that's what I say. I wish I could go back and value those moments more because now I look back and I don't have my uniforms. That's why I don't have them hanging up here because Bryant was the same. They recycled uniforms year over year. Uh, my coach told me she wouldn't give it away the year after I graduated, um, but people went on to wear 19 at Bryant and it's it's sad i think back now and i know that bryant has changed over contracts i even thought about reaching out and getting my old uniform to see if it was still hanging around but um yeah it went into the laundry after our last day and that was it you know sad think because about it. like like where's elmo like my blankie's gone like that sad yeah and i well because now i have some some life experience and i look back at how important it was that i played at bryant and i played at the collegiate level and i wish i had that representation because the t-shirts and the sweatshirts wear out, right? That uniform would have been, it would have lasted. I wouldn't have worn it ever again. I would have kept it as a, a souvenir of my time at Bryant. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I still have my jacket. I still have my sweatshirt. It's probably tearing at the seams right now, but I keep that stuff and I wish I could have kept the uniform. I think too that you remember we, we've played, you know, pretty high level stuff, but I would bet that almost anybody thinks knows the last time they took their jersey off. I know exactly when I took. Tell us. So uh, college, last time I took it off, Connecticut, knew I was getting drafted, cried my face off for like two days after that because I was like, should I go back to college or not one more year? Because you, you I'm on a team then. You and crying. Well, I've cried like five times. That's, that's one of them. Um, Astros, threw my last pitch, being the guy right in the middle of the back, Knew it was my last pitch I was probably going to throw because my arm was, like, done. Ended up changing that night. <laughs> that was the last time I took my jersey off. You know, high school, state championship game, took it off. Remember, I was wearing a shirt underneath. I remember all of them. And I, I bet you remember the last time you took your baseball jersey off. Yeah, I do. Senior year. Yeah. Was, do you remember it? Yeah, I remember it. And I, I, more importantly, I remember my coach. When my coach had – this guy was an incredible guy, and he had such an influence on us as kids. Mm-hmm. He was my English teacher, and – uh Everything was with him was excellence through repetition. And so just do it the right way every mm-hmm. time. And he just, you know, and he believed in every athlete, too. Mm-hmm. He was just a tremendous guy, Coach Donovan. And interestingly enough, he was deeply appreciated by everybody in the community who touched him. That's the neat thing about some coaches is just they everybody that everybody wants to be around them mm-hmm. and look up to them and things like that. But, yeah, I remember our last game was against Portsmouth Abbey and Went back, took the uniform off, and handed it in, and that was it. Yeah. Handed it into the cage. Yeah, but w- yeah. you remember that, though. Sure. That's yeah, I remember my locker. Right? I remember everything about it. Yeah. You're happy to get the uniform, but you know some people don't really put a value on you know that physical piece of cloth. You mm-hmm. know, it's more about like I I pulled these out honestly out of a tub in my basement, and I didn't even know I had them. Yeah, so for those There's who can't yeah. see, we've got you have a uh, lot, though. <laughs> two Dan Copen Patriots on the field uniforms, yeah. and I can't believe, Tip, that that's a professional uniform that Astros It's just that's a spring, spring training Astros big league camp one right here. That's the, yeah, ball, that's it's the pretty, ball boy uniform. It's pretty minimal. <laughs> and by the way, it's pretty minimalistic. <laughs> yeah. That's a yeah. that's a down and dirty. Were the Astros poorly funded at the time? No, what was going on? That's majestic. <laughs> All right. Yeah, it's a brand. That's the good, good brand. stuff. That's okay. Hey, not every ball right. boy gets that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> big league chew. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it, I mean, I, I pulled that out of a tub, and I've got some things downstairs that I, I like, but I wish I collected more. Um, Maybe. Is it not in your nature just to be a collector? Just, I'm yeah, not. I'm not. I'm not a collector. I'm not either. Um, I don't. I don't think I show it very well um, at home or like mm. put it together. It's just, it's just. It's very. I don't know. I don't like the attention on myself. For me, it was. You know, I remember handing in my jersey, my last basketball game or my last football game. Uh, and for it was NFL. It was Denver after I blew my knee out, 
And I, the last time I took my jersey off, that was a practice jersey. My game jersey was when we got beaten overtime in the uh, divisional playoffs by the Baltimore Ravens on a goddamn Hail Mary that Jacoby Jacobs never should have got behind anybody. But okay, we'll, we'll move on. Um, but it's about the memories and the values and the disciplines and, and the, um, the people that you know influence you that you miss. It's not necessarily putting on the jersey. It's what that jersey represents. Dan, you know, I'd really like to just spend a moment since, you know, of the three guests, you're the one that made it, I guess, the furthest. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's any more important or less important than anybody no. else's experience. And I know that you would speak that truth. Oh, yeah. I, I know I, you everybody's was, got a job. That's that right. was just my job. And I know you've gotten, I've gotten to know you a little bit, and I understand how you think and, and respect the way you think. But what's it like walking into Gillette Stadium for the first time, knowing you're about to get play your first game and get or get your first uniform? What is that like? Um, I mean, it's got to be different than Boston is. College my, and different than Monmouth High School mm-hmm. and different than Moses Brown, where I was. It's, it is different. Um, I think... Like, I mean, your pregame ritual, you do the same things because that's the one time you can control what's going on. You have no idea what's about to come when you step out on the field. Um, it's it's nerve-wracking. It's it's anxious. Uh, my first game, I started at Philadelphia. It was the second week week of the regular season. The actual, the week the week before, we got beat by Buffalo 31 to nothing. And that was my welcome to the NFL moment when Drew Bledsoe and Lawyer Malloy were, up, were in Buffalo and they kicked the crap out of us. But I think if you just prepare and play loose and play fast, it's it's okay. Again, it's I, it's hard to put into words what you feel, but it's a game, and it's a game that you've played forever. And I'm not even kidding you. 99% of those games, those nerves go away right after the first snap or the first pitch or, the you know, whatever you get your first taste of action, mm. um, those nerves go away and just sort of settle it. So it, 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 it's the same. It was the same way in high school. It was the same way in grade school. It was the same way in high school, the same way in college, same way in the NFL. Mm. The nerves just went away and you just play the game that you've always played. Stephanie, do you remember the first time you went – you know, you played for Bryant, your starting game. First time you put on the uniform to actually. Yeah, I do. And I, I think that game, my coach put me in as a pinch runner as a freshman in a pretty big moment. It was, and it actually became what was my go-to. I was good under pressure. So if I wasn't playing in a game or they needed a pinch hit, she would bring me in because for some reason, I, I could turn off that first jitter of a game, and I was able to come in off the bench cold and get a big hit in a big moment. Um, but my first game, I, I went in as a pinch runner, and it was it's, – it's a big deal, right? Because you're, you're playing at the collegiate level. It's something you always wanted growing up, at least for me. Uh, I always wanted to play at that level. Um, and you're in it, and it's like, I'm here, I made it. And then you remember you have to play a game. <laughs> you have to be mm-hmm. smart, especially mm-hmm. with base running in a big moment. They were looking to me to, to, I think, steal third at the time and then get the tying run. And did you? I did, yes, uh, which was great. Sure, she wouldn't have told the story if she didn't. Yeah, yeah, I know. It would have been a very different <laughs> outcome. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a big moment. And at the time, Bryant had just gone D1. So we were, we were in a small stadium. Uh, we didn't have stadium seating, so all the fans were kind of standing around. And, um, yeah, it was it was a pretty big moment. Tim, what was that first start like? And which one do you want to talk about? You want to talk about Monmouth, no, University of Southern Maine, or Minor Astros? leagues, right after I got drafted. This is one of my favorite stories, and we haven't told the ad on our, our show yet, but I'll, I'll leak it here. Um, my first pitch I ever threw was a home run. When I got drafted, and then I was in Tri City Valley Cats, <laughs> I got out there. I was coming out of the bullpen and threw a pitch, and I remember right before I threw it, I was like, "This is your time now, like you're, you're you've here. arrived. You're here, and now it's time to show people what's up." First pitch, home run. <laughs> is it one of those where you release it? You're like, "Uh oh." Yep. I was like, it was a Larish. I think was the last name, uh, and then the next. So then I'm like, I la- I remember like giggling to myself and being like. 
isn't that a funny story? Isn't that going to be good in the book? You know what I mean? And then next pitch I threw, back-to-back home runs. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Back-to-back home runs were my first two pitches, Gary. And then I was like, okay, maybe you don't belong here. <laughs> you know? like, I was like, maybe you don't. And, that, and then I struck the side out. No. So, like, back-to-back yeah. home runs, struck out the side, ended up going to the dugout and being like, welcome Welcome to like professional yeah, baseball. You, you, this is you, what you, it is. You learn the best lesson right Ops. off the bat. It's and like, now, hey, hey yeah. humility. They get, they get paid too. They're going to make plays. Absolutely. It's, how quickly can you move on from from the bad play yep. and focus on the next? So yeah. it just doesn't keep repeating. And that's kind of the difference that you see a lot of times in college and professional levels. They can't move on quickly. Oh, you see. And it one all play the time. will turn into two plays, and then it turns into four. Now you got a string of, you know, 10, 15 mm-hmm. plays. You can't. You can't have that. You get you get maybe a couple a game. Yeah, you can't let it, it roll up on you. That was like what yep. everyone used to try to do. Like one thing can happen, it can go wrong, and and a lot of times it was like you have to take like you have oh, to turn. You, uh, you can't even, I can't even tell you how many times I've, I've been salad. yelling back to Brady, "Heads up, here they come!" You know, it's just like, <laughs> "Oops, missed that one." Yeah. <laughs> it, it happens. Yeah. You know, we, we usually wrap up the show with an interesting question. I've already asked Dan this question, so I'm going to ask Dan a different question today. Yes. But but I'll start with you, Stephanie. You know, you've played a lot of games. You've competed in a lot of different things. What have you gained more from, the wins or the losses? Oh, I feel like you're baiting me to say the losses. But I... We, we're, I don't know, Max. What do you think we should start keeping score? But we've got... It's probably 60-40 losses to wins. Yeah, I'd say so. Yeah, I, I mean, if I think about it, it's probably the wins where we came from behind and we won the game, right? And I could think back to a lot of times that that happened for us. And kind of what, what Dan said, it's, you know, you could fall down so many times, but how do you rebound in the game and get your head back, back on track? And it was those moments that really defined us as a team and it was the excitement around that game that I remember now. So the losses you learn because you need to lose, right? No one wins all the time. But it's those games that we thought there was no hope of coming back. And then as a team, we rallied together and we really brought it back. And there are some pretty pivotal moments that we would win our conference or win the regional division that we were in. And those are the memories that I think back to that really taught me the most. That may be the most elegant answer we've gotten so far. Tip, why don't you follow that? It's going to be tough to follow. Um, I think for me, when you're, it depends what mood I'm in and where I'm trying to go. So if I am, if I need to go get something done, a lot of times I'll think back about the losses more. And it's like, remember that loss? Put it right on your shoulder and feel that pain. And like, do you want to lose again or do you want to go win? And then... You know, it puts me in a mood that's just like, no, I'm going to beat this thing, whether it's whatever. It could be some sales process or whatever that we're working on, anything, or just regular life. I stack the losses up a lot more because I remember them, where the wins are the things that, like, that's what I'm trying to strive for. Like, I don't want to have that loss that's, like, sitting on my shoulder. I'm trying to go get that win. But remembering the loss is what usually helps me go get the win because I don't want that feeling anymore. Got it. But I like to baggage those losses up though and yeah you keep them as them, a potential future motivator yeah they're fuel yeah, yeah. fuel yeah. yeah my son jude talked to me a little bit about that he lost two state championships as a starting goalie in lacrosse and i asked him uh you know if he ever thinks back on that he goes only when i need to when i need to get motivated that's about it, yeah mm-hmm. that's when you go yeah. back and get it yeah yep. so mm-hmm. you know part about what we do at squad locker is we try and make uh the lives of mentors and coaches easier so that they can invest more time in their kids and their communities and uh, the pivotal part of those mentors and coaches is, you know, what they do for their communities and how they interrelate with the kids that they mentor and coach. So, Dan, we're going to switch it up for you since you've already answered the wins and the losses question. What was the last coach you called and what did you talk to him about? Uh, the last coach that, of yours. Um, do, you, do you call any of your coaches? Do you stay in touch with I any do. of them? I do. Um, I do. Uh, coach Magazoo was my offensive line coach in college, um, and then he was also my offensive line coach in Denver, so that worked out well. No, that is nice. Uh, I've, you know, I've had 
I was fortunate enough to have two offensive line coaches basically in 16 years between college and professional uh, football, wow. which is kind of kind of hard to do in that coaching world that um, they move around so much. So I, I, I talked to him probably a few months ago. And did he uh, like hearing from you? Yeah. I mean, we have a great relationship. I know his family, um, you know, kind of like when you had uh, Coach Steckel on. Yeah. You know. Cool the, guy. He, I mean, the, what he was talking about, bring kids over to the house, you know, Coach Magazoo did that. You know, it's like, do you need anything? You know, my wife Carrie's here to help you. If you need anything, we're going to have barbecues and meet all their kids. And you just sort of grow up and um, – very, very, very influential in your life, not only on the field, but off the field. So I keep in touch with him. I live, uh, live next to, not live next to, but we have a house next to Coach Skarnecchia down in Narragansett. So I run into him from time to time. Do you consider um, me your coach? As a okay, sales tip. coach now. Well, I mean, I, was, I thought you might answer. We're going to work on like a golf coach. <laughs> <is> kind <laughs> no, of what? No, I thought just you know. In the office, like, hey, well, I have a Salesforce question. I, you asked I, me one an hour before this episode. So. No, I just wanted. I I, need, I know you needed help with the Salesforce earlier, so I was here to help you. <laughs> okay. Is what? All right, good. You know, and I hope that loss of the February Miles Challenge really motivates you in the future too. Just, Trust me, it's there. Okay, it's there. Pull it out when it you need there. it. I will. I will. <laughs> so, Tip, what's the what's the name of your podcast, and how should people listen to it if they want to get yeah. more of the Dan and Tip Show? Have past our Prime Show. On follow us on well Apple Spotify subscribe Where rate you review stream your podcast. share yeah and then on Instagram past our Prime Show but then really we we pump a lot of it through the Squad Locker thing too good so, content on right there. and Stephanie yeah. if people want to reach out to you and talk to you about uh, collegiate softball or motivation sports how should they get get in touch with you yeah I I mean you could follow us at Squad Locker or yeah Squad Locker on Instagram. Um, I'm following that account all day, every day. Uh, mm -hmm. So on there, and we could put the details in, in the podcast details for you if they want to reach out to me. Perfect. And we do yeah. a team of the week all the time too, right, Gary? So if there's teams out there listening, mm -hmm. send yeah. us a message. If, if there's teams out there that are listening, you know, we'd love to learn more about what your needs are. We're always giving things out to different teams in need. Uh, so if you, have, if you know about a community or a team in need or a family in need, you know, we're there to help as well. So, guys, thanks for joining me today Thank on the you. show. Thanks for talking Thank about you. uniforms, the center of our lives here at Squad Locker. And uh, God bless and go forward. On the Whistle is powered by Squad Locker. Squad Locker is your one-stop shop for customized team apparel, delivered right to your front door. To learn more, visit squadlocker.com.